Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the Super Light Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com. Code SUPER24. Start and end your day with the good news. The good news with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at AngieAustinRadio.com. Now, here's Angie Austin and friends with the good news. Hello, got my good news gals, my God squad here, and we are going to be talking about one of my favorite good news stories of the year, and it's a Colorado story. You're going to hear an interview with the man who, his life's really been transformed. Now, in this story, he doesn't mention Jesus, but I am dying to someday meet this guy or talk to him because I am, I am like 99.9% sure that he's a Christian now. I could be wrong, but I have done a lot of interviews over the years people that come through the Denver Rescue Mission Program and uh, people who've come out of prison and who, people whose lives have been transformed through Christ. And I've never seen more mind-blowing transformations than what Christ has done in lives of people who've really gone down the, ro- the wrong road and found Jesus in their darkest, darkest, darkest of times. One of the guys in my own life uh, that my kids uh, say, hey, is Charles our cousin? I'm like, he is not our cousin. He's my age, for goodness sakes. <laughs> uh, but uh, they think he's our cousin. And Charles spent quite a bit of time in prison. And he found Jesus in prison. And I'm telling you, this man is 100% transformed. I mean, he is part of our family. And if people knew his background, they'd be like, wow, he's over at your house and working. Isn't no, he is a man of God now. And he is so different than his time as a drug addict and his time uh, in prison. So with that said, we're going to go around the table real quickly before we start my favorite good news story of I don't know how long about um, how people really can change and be transformed. Donna Hetzler is here with the Jericho Girl. She's also a real estate agent. Beatrice Bruno, drill sergeant of life, uh, author and speaker, is here. Cindy Marsh, who makes women beautiful, is here. And also Jennifer Bishop. And uh, Jennifer uh, is pretty inspirational, and she has a website that we're going to tell you about a little bit later where she really encourages people, coaches people. All right, you guys ready? Mm -hmm. Ready. Okay. The reason I'm so touched by this is because I have a heart for people who grow up with hate. So you see these young white supremacists, these neo-Nazis, and you wonder who taught them to hate. And I almost, I feel sorry for them, okay, in a way, okay. But I would think, Beatrice, you're African-American, that if you came into contact with them and they showed their hate towards you, wouldn't it be easy to react right back with hate towards them? Or dislike, maybe? Maybe dislike. I wouldn't say hate. Or fear. Not, not you. Fear. You're not fear. Really. No. Yeah, not ever Beatrice. Never Beatrice. No. Beatrice is fearful of anything. <laughs> yeah. So no. this guy, he's from Colorado. We're going to pick up his story where he is getting his tattoos removed. Which tattoos? His neo-Nazi tattoos, his swastika tattoos. And I'm just going to kind of set it up for you because I think this story is so stinking good. I really want you to soak it in and understand it. When he got out of prison, and I don't know how many times he's been to prison, his uh, parole officer uh, was black lady. Oh, Lord. <laughs> and so when she came to his house, guess what he had up on the walls? Oh, goodness. Hate? Yeah. 
of course. Yeah, hate swastikas, other hate. And it, rather than just tell him he's a jerk and a loser, she's like, why don't you put a smiley face up or something that'll encourage you so when you go to work, you're a little happier. I really don't think this white supremacy stuff's really working for you. It's <laughs> not working out for you. It's not very encouraging. It's not good. very happy. I don't think it's very positive. She didn't judge him. She didn't condemn him. She didn't hate him. She didn't want him to fail. She was uplifting to him. Mm-hmm. And he absolutely bonded with her. And she helped him transform his life. Mm-hmm. And he considers her like family. Now, you'll hear him at the end when he sees her again because they haven't seen each other for a while. He starts to basically cry. He's got tears in his eyes. And his place of work now that he's going to describe to you, he works on a farm where he used to not work with anyone that wasn't white. Mm. He's the only white guy now at work. Mm-hmm. And he's going to Quinceañeras. He's going to parties with all his Hispanic coworkers. Right, he's man. the bell of the ball now. And he is the only white guy in his place of work. And he is happy as a clam. And you know what he says at the end that, it, I, that may make you cry because it makes me cry? He wants to be a good example for his children and Amen. not allow them to grow up with hate and to see he's a good man and that oh, he's yeah. a good, uh, that he's a, a, a breadwinner and that he's living a life of honor, which he may not have had himself growing up. Here's a story. My name is Michael Kent. I'm over here at Fallen Heroes to get a swastika covered up. Tell me your story. Behind that shirt is a lot of ink. I was a part of a skinhead group, a very violent group. My first tattoo, the racial tattoo, was my white pride. And I got two swastikas, one on my chest. How long have you had that on your chest? Over 20 years. Talk about that transformation process. This is kind of a good story, but odd story. I got my caseload transferred to a black woman. She just marched up to my house. If it wasn't for her, I probably would have been deep back into it. You feel like she became much more than a probation officer? Yes, she's much more than that. I would look at her as family. I'm Tiffany Whittier. I haven't seen him in over a year. He doesn't know that I'm here. We're going to surprise him. She gave me a chance, and it opened my eyes. You two are unlikely friends. Yes. Yes. I had a German war flag. She says, you need to take that crap down and start putting up more positive stuff. Put up smiley faces. So when you wake up, you see positive instead of hate. That's a big difference. Yeah. That's a big change. When you wake up and you see a smiley face, you're going to go to work and you're going to (laughs) smile. Last night we were with him as he got a tattoo taken out. He said, Tiffany was one of the people that helped me make this transition. I'm not here to judge him. That's not my job to judge. My job is to be that positive person in someone's life, try to make a difference. I'm getting choked up again. If you got a strong support system and you have people that believe in you in a positive way, you can change. You're touching before and after now. Did you ever think they'd come off and that you'd be a part of that? Not in a million years. I would have ever guessed that Michael changed his life for the better. She gave me the strength and the courage to do what I'm doing and changing my life because I know it. she can do it and she believes in people, good in people. I know I can't do it. And he goes on to say he wants to be a role model for his children. That's good. That's mm. good. You know, I want you to think about, um, and the listeners should think about the scripture that says, to whom much is given, much is required. Mm. In our world, okay, and I'm talking about the, the, the black people, colored people, you know, in our world, we've been given much hate, okay, from people of other races so we have to give much love to show that none of that stuff affects us like it affects them and so when she walked into this man's house she's like you know something baby (laughs) you need to um smile because okay if you want to if you want something different in your life than you've ever had then you've got to start loving 
You've got to love those that are a different color than you, that don't have blonde hair and blue eyes. You've got to love people that may speak funny, okay? They may be south of the border. You've got to change everything about you, and that's what that young man picked up on. No, I wouldn't be afraid of him. Mm -mm. I'd walk into somebody's house like that and say, "What? why are you like that? That, and that's what I would say. Why are you smile? Do you see her smile? I, yes. guess we just pass her out a I was surprised how young she was because I had mm -hmm. this visual of yeah. a, a wise, older mm -hmm. black woman. But she's a young, young woman who went mm -hmm. in there and stepped up and said some positive things. And I like her approach without being judgmental and yeah. saying, you know, you got to make a change. She's like, this isn't healthy for you. Yeah. Happy you know? face. Happy yeah. face. Yeah. You are brought down every single day that you look at this. That's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Let's that's talk right. about. I don't know if Michael Kent's a Christian. I would guess that he is. Sometimes they don't put that into the news stories. Um, transformational power of Christ. I would say for me, I'll go ahead and start. Uh, for me, I think I grew up in an environment that it was survival of the fittest. And so with a brother who was murdered, one who was a drug addict, my dad being an alcoholic and gone, living in low-income housing, having a lock on my door to try to keep myself locked in and away from all of that and study because I knew that you know maybe... I thought an education was my way out, uh, which was part of it. But I think then um, when I was living with another family and I was taken to church and I became a Christian, I would say that what the biggest thing my faith has done is, first of all, my language is better. You know, because I, you know, I grew up around a lot of naughty language, oh, yeah. and I, I, I can't believe the language that I would use. Maybe yeah. that I, in the newsroom when I was in Los Angeles, they used it just like they were, you know, like it was a comma in a sentence <laughs> or a period in the sentence, an exclamation point. Like they acted like it was part of the sentence, or it was like you know, and blah blank bleep 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 bleep. I'm like, okay, <laughs> I and I, but I stopped doing that in Los Angeles, and I was offended when they would do it in the newsroom or shocked. Let's put it that way. Uh, bigger than that transformation, I would say my biggest transformation was uh, when you are trying to survive, you are selfish. And so you always look out for number one. I didn't keep long-term friendships. If you crossed me, if you hurt me, you were gone. So there are very few people in my life. I, don't, I didn't have a lot of long-term friendships, which now I do. Um, and I cherish them. And if something happens or there's a disagreement, then I figure out a way to fix them or make amends. Whereas in the past, I would just move on because I figured like, well, you've hurt me enough. People have. I'm moving on. And so really, I was on an island just myself. So I was this little island. And really, uh, everything around me that could potentially hurt me, I kept at bay. Whether that be a friend, whether that be a relative, whether that be a boyfriend, everyone I kept at arm's length because I had enough pain in my life already. I knew I could only trust myself. So I was an island and I was going to look out for me and that was that. I think once I became a Christian, um, and that happened when I was a teenager, when I was 13, 12, 13, when I was taken to church by this, the people I was living with, I would say that it turned me, I took the selfishness away. And uh, the selfishness I know wasn't a horrible thing. It was, for me, survival or protection. It was like my buoy, my life preserver. But I think I became less, is it narcissistic or self-reliant? Mm. So that's what, how I think the biggest transformation took place in me. And I didn't even want kids. And now it's like my life. These kids are like my everything. And mm -hmm. I think I'm a really good mom and I think I'm a really good wife. Um, but a lot of that has been letting go of putting myself first. Mm -hmm. All right, who wants to go next? <coughs> Everybody's quiet, like, oh, I'll go next. I'm, remi I'll I'm go reminded ahead. of something that just keeps coming in my head. I've had Cindy. many ways that God has changed me. But um, I lived for 20 years in the Middle East. Mm -hmm. And um, I was part of a culture for 20 years that is 
uh, oh, so a Christian in the Middle East. Yeah, Christian in the Middle East, which it was underground Christianity. People are killed in this country for, and there were people killed there with their heads cut off for having a Bible in their home while I was there. But um, people you knew, people I knew, yes. Um, the pharmacists at our hospital, Filipino pharmacists at our hospital, hmm. um, for having a Bible at, in his home, got caught. But um, with that said. Uh, God really showed me that he showed me love for those people and for their ways. And I was able to back off from putting all my values in a country that had a cultural diversely different from what my values are. Like you are. couldn't drive, you couldn't when dress the way you normally drive, do, you had to cover could, up, you had to no have alcohol, an escort, no totally alcohol, covered, no Bible, wrongly, wrong, no Bible. No uh, cross on the outside of your clothing. No Christmas tree in the window at Christmas. Um, you pretty much were what they wanted you to be. Mm -hmm. and, and so you were able to show love to them. Actually, I cross cultures. And I am so proud and so thankful that I've had this experience. And I have dear friends. We are, we, we're obviously not the same religion. But to this day... I love these people, I have respect for them, and I see things in a different way than most people would ever see or speak about this country. And um, I thank God for that, and that is God. Mm. Yeah. Nothing short of it, because you can have that perspective and that love and that non-judgment attitude without having that in the and center. And your friends from this part of the Middle East obviously know you're a Christian now. They know I'm a Christian. They respect that. I know they're Muslim. I respect that. And you've been a good example, I think, of Christ in your accepting of them and just them knowing you're a Christian and being, I don't know, loving. Well, we respect each other. And I'm, with some of my friends, I'm their only American friend. Wow. Mm. Wow. But I feel honored. Amen. Yeah. All right. Privilege. If you're joining us on the good news, we're talking about a young man who re uh, removed his uh, white power, white hate, white supremacy tattoos, his swastika, and all of it. That was because of it started with a relationship with his parole officer, uh, Tiffany Whittier. And uh, Michael Kent went to Fallen Heroes Tattoo in Colorado Springs and had uh, that swastika removed. And he heard that beautiful story. And again, just talking about the transformation of people and the transformational power of Christ. The Good News gals joining me here. And we're sharing our stories of how Christ has helped transform us. You said, Donna, you'd go. Yeah, well, I'll piggyback on Cindy and you, Angie, with love. I mean... I came from a very dysfunctional family and I did not, our version of love was very distorted. And so I didn't truly know how to love. And of course, my David helped me to learn that. My husband, yeah. My husband, David. <clears throat> Excuse me. Well, you met when you were 15, right? Yes, yes. I was 15. He was 18. So, um, yes, he taught me a lot of that. But really, when I came into a relationship with Jesus, when I was 17, I accepted Christ. And that was through his family and learning about oh, wow. Jesus through his family and the Christian school that my parents enrolled me in because they were just fed up with me and like, we don't know what to do with her. You guys take her, you know. So the power of, of Jesus can transform you no matter what 
you are going through, whether it's addiction, whether you don't know how to love, um, you've been hurt. Jesus is the ultimate. He will transform you. But he showed me how to love in such a powerful way. I saw him transform my sister when she was in the mental hospital. She had extreme anxiety and paranoia. I mean, fears beyond anything I can imagine. And she pulled from the peace and power of Jesus, and it transformed her life. I'm telling you, my brother tells me when he reads scripture, he stops hearing voices. That's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My sister had just gone to her doctor, and she's like, I'm hearing voices again. And she's she's mm-hmm. just really pulling on that strength of Jesus. And it's 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 life-changing. It really is. So um, for me, and then from there, after I learned how to love, then, of course, God put a ministry of loving women, which is very difficult to do because friendships, uh, women friendships are messy. They're really gritty and difficult, and the best ones are in the midst of not walking away, like you said, Angie, sticking through them. I mean, we can't save it all of them. It takes work, but it's so worth it's it. It's worth mean, it. You guys yes. are like family to me, you know? Aww. I mean, I joke with Cindy because I don't have a sister and that she's become like a sister to me right and Beatrice always jokes around about um she always jokes around about we're sister from a different mister (laughs) all right Beatrice uh, we've got about uh four minutes left you each get two girls uh how has Jesus transformed you in two minutes he taught me how to love myself Oh, I tell the story about how you started hating yourself or disliking your color when you were six. And it was because another African-American woman said you were too dark. Yes, she said that um, she told her granddaughter that I was too black to be played with. (gasps) And from that, I learned that I was too black to succeed, too black to be pretty, too Too black black. to do anything. Until you were 30 what? I was 37, actually, 37, when I heard a, a lady said to me, who told you that? Mm-hmm. And she said, too that's a to lie. Be successful, yes. Too black to be pretty, too black to succeed. Yes, yes. And so the Lord just, he showed me the beauty of Beatrice and who I am inside oh. and who he Thank is you, inside Jesus. of me. Hallelujah. And so that's that's been just transformational. And now I can love others because the Bible says, love your neighbor as yourself. Well, if you don't love yourself, how are you going to love your neighbor? That's mm-hmm. right. Yeah. That's it. I love, love you. I love, I love you. you. I love you. I love y'all white chicks. I love you, too. so lucky to have so many white chicks love you. Hey, you're right about that. You're right. Hallelujah. There's a, that's a whole nother story. I'm telling you, sisters in Christ is a beautiful Amen. thing. Amen. All right, Jennifer Bishop. So, so on, a, on a side note, so Beatrice, at 32, I found out I was adopted. Didn't know my whole life. And my husband and I would always joke about, you know, I think I have black in me. Like, because <laughs> I love to dance and I love, I mean, just I, I've always been drawn to, to people, African-American, black people. And when I found out I was adopted, I'm like, oh, maybe this is so true. <laughs> so, I, a I still too don't. white to be part black, no offense. Yeah, I, I, like, I, mean, I am you know, so Caucasian. Just, yeah. But, okay, back to the Lord. So um, my husband and I, neither of us grew up going to church. And it's so funny when we go to church now and when the pastor's like, well, okay, everybody knows the story of. And I'm, we're like, no, no, we, we didn't. Yeah. Like in the beginning, we didn't. And Tell I'm like, can again we? about whose coat? Who has a dreamy coat? Yes. I, like, well, I, I know. So we were so thrilled when our son, we took our son to Bible Blast and he got his little adventure Bible. So we learned all these great, the no, it's Bible, the kids Bible, That's but hilarious. it was, it was wonderful. <laughs> but coming to Jesus, um, my husband and I, the very first night we dated, we knew we were going to get married and we knew it was going to be in a church. So if that wasn't ordained, we knew Jesus was with us from the very beginning. 
it's been working in a bar yes we both worked i was a cocktail waitress and my husband was a bartender yeah. um it was my third job and his second job and we were trying to survive and make it through and god is so so good i just every day and i've seen god get you through your husband's terminal diagnosis I and mean, he was only supposed <sighs> to live a short amount of time and now how many years later 16 16 and he has als and they found out it's slow progression mm. but i mean he is still walking it's, he's it's still all talking god. it's yeah. all god we had people praying for us all over oh, the world. world i know i love mm. that all right uh, donna hetzler has a women's ministry jericho girls uh, check it out but also check out her women's retreat Yes, Overwhelmed, November 4th at the Embassy Suites in the Denver Tech Center. So look for us on Facebook and come join us. We want to see you there. And here's the deal. We all speak, and we would love to speak at your church or your women's conference. Mm. AngieAustinRadio.com is my website, AngieAustinRadio.com. Check us out. We'd love to speak for you. We'll be right back. Good news of Jesus for you in High Definition Radio and streaming at 670KLTT.com. This is KLTT Commerce City, Denver. All right, Angie Austin here along with Adam. Adam is an ambassador with ARC, and when you shop at ARC, it helps the ambassador. They help people in our community. Every dollar you spend helps, and everything you donate helps. ARC is a tremendous benefit to people with intellectual and developmental disabilities. Now, there's a Saturday sale. Most items half off. If I'm a senior, 55 and over, on Tuesdays, most items are half off. How do we find out about that? ARCthrift.org. How about if I want to donate? Where do I donate? 303-238-JANE. You call them and they'll pick up whatever you need. Furniture, small, big. Medium. Uh, yep, absolutely. Uh, a small, big, medium. Yes, they'll ma'am. bring the truck right on over. What's yes, the number? 303-238-JANE. Yeah, they bring a truck right to your house. 303-238-JANE. Yes, 303-238-JANE. ARCthrift.org. Does cool. ARC make you feel special? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I thought so. The ARC special. ARCthrift.org. As are you, ma'am. As are you. Thank you. Do you love working for ARC? I love ARC. From Struck Films. Where did you come from? The true story of a stray dog. Who are you? That's Pluto. Who saves a struggling family in more ways than one. What's wrong? This isn't working anymore. Sometimes help comes from the most unlikely places. I don't need you. He's trying. He really is. Sometimes one dog can change everything. We're small and we more. From the director of The Other Side of Heaven, The Stray. Rated PG. For theater locations and more information, visit thestray.movie. In theaters now. Hey, it's Angie. I want to tell you about a wonderful movie. It is called The Stray, and it tells the true story of a stray dog who helps save a struggling family in more ways than one. Now, in a moment, we're going to have the writer and the director, Mitch Davis, joining us, but let's take a listen to the trailer. For me, being a kid wasn't always easy. I could never really tell who my friends were. Hey, give me my bowl back! Until one showed up from out of nowhere. Where did you come from? and stood by me no matter what came my way. Go get it! What in the world? Hang on a second. Who are you? That's Pluto. That's our new stray dog. I was wondering if you could help me learn how to throw a baseball. Do you think you could have your mom help you with it? This isn't working anymore. 
You working at the studio day and night. What about our dreams? My dream is a happy family. We're not doing so well. He's trying. He really is, son. Can you just give him a break? Wondering if your son would like to go backpacking with me and my boy. I don't need you to help me make friends. Well, boys, we are lost. I think I'd feel a lot better if you weren't asking nine-year-old boys for directions. I think we better make camp here tonight, and we'll find the lake tomorrow. Come on, Pluto! What's wrong? You just, you come home. In the end, I know, but on the way, I wonder. We're awfully small, aren't we, boy? Or maybe we're just a part of something awfully big. All right, now that we've heard the trailer for The Stray, joining us is the writer and director, Mitch Davis. Welcome, Mitch. This is quite a beautiful story. Well, thank you, Angie. I'm glad you felt that way. Well, you know, I've got kids that are 8, 10, and 12, and uh, they keep us hopping with seven after-school activities during the week. Not every night. And my husband has a startup, and I get up at 3 a.m. for a radio program. So I get that whole push and pull thing and you have to put family first but oftentimes for the man who's the breadwinner with all the pressure it's difficult so explain where this story got started does this story relate to you yeah yeah it's a true true story of that time in my life when it was all happening at once not just for me but for my wife for my kids we had a young family lots of bills uh, lots of career stress lots of kid stress and it was easy to get lost in the weeds, to just forget what we were doing all this stuff for. What was the purpose? The underlying purpose, of course, being our family and our love for each other. But man, oh man, when you're just flying a million miles an hour in 10 different directions, it's hard to remember that sometimes. And a stray dog showed up in the middle of that craziness and uh, started to kind of help us all heal and slow down a little bit. And I was working at Disney Studios at the time, and the irony was I went to Disney Studios to make movies about families and for families. And in the process of doing that, I started to lose my own family. And uh, this stray dog changed all that. Wow. So really, you did get this dog. Now, I have to be honest with you, in the midst of all that chaos, that's one thing that my husband's put his foot down and said, like, we can't handle one more thing. Like, a stray dog showing up sounds like a great, you know, thing to most, to many people who are dog lovers, but it just adds one more element of chaos in the family. So I'm sure there were some um, second thoughts about, do we have time to take for this dog? Who's going to feed the dog? Who's going to walk the dog? Who's going to water the dog, right? Yeah, no, that's exactly what your wife and my husband I'm sorry, your husband and my wife would really get along because I made this suggestion. I said, let's get a dog, honey. Maybe that's what we need. And she said, like a hole in the head, I need another mouse to feed. Uh, but then she just said, hey, if a stray dog shows up, I'll think about it. But no way am I going to go get a dog on purpose. And 
And lo and behold, that's exactly what happened. This stray dog wandered into our lives. And in our, in our experience, it was kind of like a guardian angel. He really knew what we all needed and set about healing our family. And then in a pretty dramatic way, he ended up saving uh, some of our lives when we got struck by lightning on a camping trip. So it's a, uh, it's, it's a beautiful, true story. We didn't have to make anything up. I love that, that you didn't have to make anything up. And some of the lines are so true to life for me, like when your son in the movie wants help with baseball and you're really busy um, wanting the dog, but thinking, you know, hey, we, we have enough on our plate already. I actually am based in the Rocky Mountain region. And so the idea of camping, you know, in the higher elevations, the lightning is so dangerous. And so in the course of this camping trip, you're really trying to help your son make friends. And his sarcastic comment about, I don't need you to help me make friends was actually pretty funny and true to life. So what was yeah. it you were trying to do with that camping trip? Well, we had moved from California to Colorado. We moved during the summer. And so during the summer, kids don't go to school, and it's really hard for them not to be isolated. So we thought, hey, we'll jumpstart the school year. We'll find a couple guys, our son Christian's age, pair them up, we'll go on a camping trip. And, uh, you know, so when he goes to school, he'll have some friendly faces. And so we lined a couple neighbor boys up to go on this backpacking trip. And uh, we got caught in a freak storm in July. And uh, I put them inside the tent to warm them up and fixed them some hot chocolate. And in the process of fixing that hot chocolate, that's the last thing I remember because a lightning bolt came streaking out of the sky and hit me directly in the heart and uh, just about killed me. Some people say it did kill me. I uh, that's that's subject to debate, but it's in the movie. Wow. Okay. So, what changed in your life after that? Everything. I mean, there's nothing like a bolt of lightning to help you recalibrate, <laughs> to help you push the reset button in your life. I mean, I. Uh, it's a long story, but I I spent the entire night uh, paralyzed on my back inside a tent, helpless. And I had a lot of time to think, and I just decided, wow, it was time to put my family first. It was time for me to start making movies that mattered instead of movies that just turned a dollar. It was time for me to uh, to really embrace my family and and uh, and put it first. Those boys must have been terrified. Yeah, nine and ten years old. We had. We had driven driven two hours from home on paved roads and then almost an hour on four-wheel drive trails, and we had hiked for two and a half hours. We were in the middle of nowhere, and it was night. They were in a tent with a semi-dead, paralyzed, possibly dying dad. And uh, they prayed for me. They performed CPR on me. They hit me, tried to wake me up, and... uh, and in the end, their prayers were heard and we were able to survive, but it was a long night. Unbelievable. All right. So quickly, your takeaway from the movie for us. My takeaway is that, uh, man, life happens and it's crazy, but it's beautiful. And it's important to kind of stop every once in a while and realize what it's all about and what it's all about is not things or events it's about people and relationships it's about our families 
The other takeaway is that uh, God hears and answers prayers, and uh, you never know when a guardian angel might be a stray dog or a stray cat or somebody that just kind of wanders into your life and makes it makes it different, makes it better. Wonderful. Can't wait to see it. What a blessing. I love it uh, when uh, uh, films like your own have a message that people of faith can really relate to. And I love it when Hollywood's surprised that movies like this do so well. Yes, that's one for us. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> no, I. it's really important that we fill the theaters up because Hollywood listens to nothing as carefully as it does to box office results. So yeah, this weekend, October 6th or next weekend, the next it's just important that the theaters fill up and uh i'll tell you uh one last takeaway you asked what our takeaway is uh man uh i was all alone on a mountainside in the middle of nowhere and yet god knew where i was he knew what i needed he knew where the little boys were he knew what they needed and he heard our collective prayers and he answered them and so to anybody else who feels like they're on a mountainside in the middle of nowhere in a maelstrom somewhere i just want to testify that he does know us love us hear us and will help us i love that amen all right, thank you so much, Mitch. The uh, movie opened over the weekend, so like Mitch said, fill those theaters up. Thank you, Mitch. You are welcome. Great to be with you. Jim Stovall joining us to talk about his Winner's Wisdom column, and the topic is out of the moment. So what are you teaching us today, Jim? Well, we have the habit, a lot of us, of... Uh, Instead of being where we are, thinking about who we're with and what we're doing, we feel guilty about what we didn't do yesterday, or we're thinking about what we ought to be doing tomorrow, or what we should be doing now. And one of the great ways to live is to just be in the moment, to be conscious about what you're doing, and uh, focus on that, and then go to the next thing and the next thing, and don't get all caught up in the things that uh, take you out of the moment. Because if you're not careful, you can be like the people that go on vacation, and they're so busy taking pictures of everything, so they'll have it later, they don't enjoy it now. And, uh, you know, so we, we need to learn from our past and plan for our future, but really enjoy the moment and stay right in that uh, focus with who we're with and what we're doing. I think, too, that one thing that takes people out of the moment uh, every day is their cell phone. So they're looking down and uh, I, I've done this a few times myself where I'm at an event and as you mentioned, take a picture and then I want to send it to a grandparent who's not there, et cetera. And then I miss some great shot or I don't get the shot of my daughter uh, serving or something or the, you know, the winning shot. And so I have to really be cognizant, but I see a lot of parents just at practice on their cell phone the entire time and, you know, I don't know, I do work on my cell phone, so I'm able to go to all these events and to go to every practice, and then I will do work while I'm at practice. But are there people that are just messing around on their phone and uh, life is passing them by? Yeah, I mean, we've talked about it before, Angie. Cell phones are a great servant and a horrible master. And, uh, you know, when you're there with your kids, every time that thing dings, it shouldn't 
take your attention. And I, I you know, I'm not a great uh, tech guy, but I've never seen one of those yet that doesn't have an off switch. And you can turn it off, and your stuff will be there. It, you know, you can drop off for uh, a few moments to spend those incredible times with your kids, your loved one, or just being there with whoever you're with. And all of us have had that terrible feeling about uh, you're there with someone, and you can tell they're not there. They're a million miles away, or they're on their phone or their device. And, uh, you know, we need to stay in the moment. We need to be focused on what we're doing and, uh, you know, rejoice and be glad in every moment we have. I think that's a good thing to say, rejoice and be glad in every moment we have because we're missing so many of these moments because we're so distracted by so many outside sources of information. I find uh, if I get too wrapped up in this, I can be like that gerbil hamster on a wheel with all the tech that keeps me running on that wheel where... Uh, you know, I do, I have disabled all those pings. I don't get pinged when I get a text. So I might not return your text for an hour because I might not see it. I don't think that uh, text messages are urgent. I think they're just something, a form of communication. I had one friend think that I was always angry at her because I didn't return the text right away. And I'm like, I'm not angry. I just don't have my phone on me all the time or it's charging mm-hmm. or it's in another room or I'm making cookies with my kids or doing homework. I don't think that text messages are urgent by any means. Uh, so with that said, what's the takeaway, Jim? Well, we need to we need to always be in the moment, you know, whether you're hugging your kids, taking a walk, enjoying the sunshine, reading the paper, whatever you're doing, focus on what you're doing. And if it's not worthy of your full attention, go find something that is worthy of your full attention. Because, uh, you know, whatsoever we're doing, we need to do with all our might, all our focus, all our attention and be there in the moment for who you're with. You know, yesterday, uh, you and I were talking, we had the worst shooting in uh, U.S. history, the deadliest mass shooting in U.S. history. And I just think that in this time, you and I have talked about, you know, one of our mentors, someone that really stands out. And it sounds funny because it's he's a, a children's host. But Mr. Rogers, I'll never forget him saying that in these times of tragedy and during his time when he was popular, we didn't have the same kind of coverage 24-7 we do on tragedies now, but he told the kids to look for the helpers, and that's kind of what I'm trying to focus on as well, especially today, the day after, to look for the heroes or the man who went in and said he was agnostic, he didn't believe in God, but he came out of a shooting believing in God, and his you know, sister had thrown her body on top of him and said, I love you, I love you, I love you, over and over again. And we hear about the cop heroes who were standing like human targets, standing in the midst of crowd where, crowds where people were either ducked down or crawling so that people could see the way that they were waving them to get out of the venue, to get, you know, to safety. And they became targets themselves. And we know some of them lost their lives, some of them who were off duty. And then military people who were there who jumped into action and uh, became, you know, the heroes as well, too. On a day like today, when we're really assessing such a, you know, horrible tragedy to look to the heroes, I think is the way you can get through some of that. It's, I'll be honest with you, Jim, it gets to me, you know, it's really hard to cover these stories. It is, it is, they matter and they're real. And, uh, you know, those are real people. Every one of those are real lives and real families and friends and everything. And, uh, you know, it makes us, uh, uh, sad and our hearts and thoughts and prayers go out to those people, of course. And then the best thing we can do for them is to keep them in our minds and uh, in our hearts. And then, uh, 
go about our day and uh, love everyone around us and hug your kids and uh, be there for everyone in your life. And then, as you said, remember those people that when when we're all running away from disaster, there's a a handful of brave people that are running toward it, and uh, they're the ones that keep us all safe and uh, make these things as good as they can. Well, I think, too, a day to remember, uh, rather than to focus on politics, pointing finger, blame, whatever we know we're going to get into today that'll be on the news, uh, to focus on the heroes, uh, the helpers, but also to pray for the families of the victims, the victims themselves who are, you know, recovering in the hospital, uh, the hundreds and hundreds of them, but also the first responders, the people that responded to that scene, you know, what they're dealing with. It was like it was like being in the middle of a, a war with that gunfire and responding to those young people, you know, that they were trying to save. So we need to pray for the first responders as well, because I'm sure many of them will be suffering from PTSD after responding to such a horrific scene and then, you know, having to function and save people in the midst of all of that horror. Um, oh, Jim, no doubt we will. We will all uh, never be the same, but uh, it doesn't mean there's not great things we can take away from this and uh, make our lives and the world a better place. And uh, and in that way, those people who lost their lives will have not uh, passed this way in vain. We'll always appreciate you, Jim. Your website? Jim Stovall, S-T-O-V-A-L-L, jimstovall.com. Thank you, friend. Be well. Hey, it's Angie. All right, a great, beautiful fall getaway. The elk, the colors, parties, kids' activities, and it's reasonably priced where YMCA, the Rockies, uh, Snow Mountain Ranch, and also the Estes Park location. Uh, They've got some fall activities going on. There's going to be a Halloween party on October 28th if you want to plan ahead. It's reasonable. Some of my kids' favorites, there is the zip lining. There is the craft shop. They love the roller skating. There is rock climbing, uh, putt-putt, tennis. Uh, We spent our family reunion up there this summer, and it was mind-blowingly fun. And again, it's reasonable. That's why we go several times a year. YMCAtherockies.org. Sometimes my kids even cry when we leave because they're like, we're leaving our place. I'm like, it's our place still. We'll be back. We'll be back. YMCAtherockies.org therockies.org. You won't regret it. It's great to see the elk this time of year. So cool. Hi, it's Angie. Hey, do you have a lot of things around your house you want to get rid of? My husband wants me to get rid of anything and everything that is in his way. 303-238-JANE. I love ARC. They help people in our community. Every dollar you spend helps and everything you donate helps. 303-238-JANE. They bring a truck right to my house. I actually have them come every month or two and it is so helpful to get that place cleaned out because you know what? My husband's a lot nicer to me when I donate things and who better to donate to than ARC? 303-238-JANE and arcthrift.org for a location near you if you just want to drop a few things off and do a little shopping. arcthrift.org, shopping with a purpose. I love Arc. Hi, it's Angie. Well, you know, we all want to look our best, don't we? Uh, But, you know, I don't know about you, but I don't really want to go to extreme measures and go under the knife, per se, and alter my look. I'd rather just kind of look like me. Uh, But I really appreciate people who help us look and feel better naturally. 
and not just our skin, not just our face, but our whole body in general, because let's be honest, when we're healthy, we do look better. We do look younger. Joining us is Dr. Jillian Cicchetti, and she is with North Point Aesthetics right here in the Denver metro area, and she's going to help us look better and feel younger. Welcome, Dr. Jillian Cicchetti. Thank you for having me. Um, This is pretty much my first time on radio. I love your studios, and I'm very excited for today. I know. It's beautiful, isn't it? I love where we work. That view is amazing. Amazing view. You and I have talked in depth. We spent about 45 minutes on the phone, and we're very like-minded in terms of health. So introduce yourself to everyone because they're going to hear uh, a lot more of you uh, in the uh, coming months. Yeah, sure. So uh, my name is Jillian Cicchetti. I am a a general surgeon by training. I actually grew up in Denver. I'm from Arvada originally, and I live in Westminster now. Um, I do have a regular general surgery job downtown taking care of people who have emergency general surgery needs. But as part of my practice in the last couple of years, I've um, sort of wandered into the land of aesthetics. And it's a very interesting place to work as a physician because um, there's a lot of people in this industry who are more interested in making money than actually helping people. And so I think there's a really nice place to fit in where you can bring the ethos of what we do in medicine, which is to really improve someone's life and improve their lifestyle. And in turn, you make them um, gain confidence and feel better about themselves. Um, Yes, it's a business, but my primary focus is to help people with difficult problems. You know, I love this, uh, Doctor, because, you know, in uh, our conversation, I really sense that you are in this to help people, and I love it that your expertise as a physician is doing just that, and then you've branched out into, you know, uh, acne and weight loss, Uh, Talk about your story itself and how you helped yourself, I think, is interesting and got interested in aesthetics. And it had to do with your own acne? Yeah. So, you know, when I was a teenager, I kind of had typical acne, but it didn't really go away. So for a lot of sort of teenage hormonal acne folks, you know, they get into their 20s and it sort of goes away. Mine didn't. Mine mine worsened. And, you know, this was in the middle of my residency where, you know, try as I as I can. I'm a young woman. Um, When you have acne, you look even younger. And I would be, you know on call at night in the middle of the night and having to go down and see some patients in the emergency room and you know you get paged and it's an emergency call like you need to run down there and I'd find myself looking in the mirror and trying to dab makeup on so that you know I'm taken seriously by these families that I'm going down to see and it really affected how I felt about myself. Um, I did actually do Accutane in my 20s. It worked amazingly well. But my acne came raging back again um, when I started having kiddos in my early 30s. And I couldn't do Accutane at that point. I didn't really want to. It was very harsh on my system. But I wanted to continue having babies. And you really can't do Accutane um, during peri-pregnancy times. So I started looking into other means of, of getting help with my acne. And I'm not talking about teenage acne. I'm talking about cystic acne. And if you've never experienced it, it is very painful. Um, and it leaves long-lasting scars. Um, and I still struggle with it even today so you know I'm not somebody who has perfect skin trying to tell you how to have perfect skin Um, and I even visited a couple of estheticians slash medispas but the problem with a lot of these places is it is just that young women with perfect skin who've probably never had a zit in their life telling you 
if you just wash your skin and if you just use our products, it'll get better. But it wasn't until in the middle of my first pregnancy, I finally found an esthetician who was who really cared about me. And she took the time to educate me about my skin, get me on a regimen that worked. And she said, I remember I was pregnant and she had just finished extractions and I was crying because it was hurting. And she said, oh, I didn't think I would make a pregnant lady cry today. I feel so bad. But um, but she said, stick with me for three months. Keep coming to see me for three months, and we're going to beat this together. And we did. I mean, I had clear skin for about a year and a half after that, and that was a really good feeling to me. And she taught wow. me how to take care of myself so that then I still needed her, but only occasionally. And that was very well, powerful to me. I love it that your story helped inspire you to help others. And again, at North Point Aesthetics, uh, you know, uh, your skin as a whole, your skincare products, uh, looking younger, feeling better, dermaplaning, acne treatments, weight loss, you know, variety of services. What's the best website uh, to uh, reach you, Jillian? So the best one is loveyourskindenver.com, and that will get you to all of the different services that we work on. Excellent. Loveyourskindenver.com. Dr. Jillian Cicchetti. Thank you, doctor. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Good News with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at AngieAustinRadio.com. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you're ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.